Shelby and Matt. No, this is not Matt. This is Shelby from a different dimension. <laughs> I'm Shelby from Universe 0648. Yeah. What's special about Shelby over there? What's your uh, defining, she's a boy. What's your canon <laughs> event? <laughs> uh, the canon event was... Um, hmm. How well do you know me? <laughs> this is great. Uh, the canon event... Well, I'm trying to figure out how we would have like uh, been separated from one another. Oh wow, uh, that's getting uh, okay. Meta. Let's see. The canon event was when mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, something with Mormons. Something I feel like it's got to be a Mormon. <laughs> Mormon related event. Uh, uh, every shop has got a Mormon. Um, uh, when yeah. do you get baptized as Mormons? Is that a, eight? Is that a, Eight. Yeah, yes, that's eight. what it is. Age of accountability. Yes. At the age of yeah. accountability, that was the canon moment. Perfect. Great. <laughs> and, then I, and then you became, and then I, the me version of you, became a gay man. <laughs> Shoot. It was wild. The multiverse, man. It just it boggles the mind when you really think about it. Um, I know. But I'm crazy. glad to have you here, Shelby, from Planet Zero Thank 666. You. Wild times. Uh, I went on a mission, even though you didn't. And um, <laughs> came let's back see. gayer. It came yeah. back gayer. Yes, I fell in love with my. I fell in love with my. Um, what's, what are they called? Companion. Companion. Yeah. I was going to say co-sponsor. I knew that wasn't it. <laughs> on our mission to Tibet. You'd be surprised. It's not. I, I feel it's like a I would. As old as time. I feel like I'd be not surprised because there is a whole branch of gay porn that's all dedicated to. <laughs> Mormon people having sex on their missions. Uh, shock. Just saying. Um, so, so if you ever needed money, Shelby, not to be in it, but you could sort of be like a consultant, I'm sure. I could and write the. Yes. I'd be like, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> there they are in Princeton, New Jersey, trying to hand out <laughs> tracks in a parking garage. Uh, this is a children's film. Okay, let's refocus, um, please. <laughs> is it a children's film? That eh. it's complicated for the no, kids. Yeah, yeah. No, we're here to us. talk about Across the Spider Verse, which is the sequel to Into, Into the, the Spider Verse and the and prequel is... to Beyond the Spider Verse. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so we're on the same page. It's a, it's so, the planet a horribly Dawn named Rise. film. Of the apes situation. Yes. Um, Spider-Man yeah. home going. Home coming. <laughs> home growing. Not Spider-Man's home. Home for the holidays. Home. home on the range. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Those are some good ideas. Um, They're running they, out. There's are. only so many home for... I bet that we could figure out what the next Spider-Man movie was called. Somebody has to have done this. Oh, well, I mean, I think, yeah... They did a whole guessing game when they announced the last trailer. When they last the last title, it was like all of the cast was making different jokes about it. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, but you and I were huge fans of Into the Spider Verse. That was like our number one film of that year. Um, it went on to win Best Animated Film. Probably should have won Best Picture. It's so good. Still revisit it. Amazing story. Amazing soundtrack. Amazing art that completely reinvigorated and changed animation um truly truly just like can't say enough good things about it so we i was excited for this but i didn't really know a lot about it except that it was a two-parter and that it would be more spider-man well and i think you didn't even know it was a two-parter until i told you that no i remembered that i knew that at some point i just hadn't like cared to file it Okay, because I went to the press screening and sort of while I was sitting there, somebody around me said, oh, this is a two parter before the movie started. And I was like, oh, okay." So I was like a little bit more prepared for it. But it is. Yeah, it's the the 
arc is very much like the most recent Fast and the Furious kind of yeah. situation. <laughs> Every way. Yeah, rather than a traditional movie, like a three-act structure. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't even know where to start because there's so much to say, so much to appreciate. Um, so I guess I'll just ask like, what were your, what were your high level thoughts? Did you like it? Did you love it? Yeah. I mean, I loved the first one. So I went into this with high expectations, but I also kind of felt a little bit like when the first one came out, we were like, I, I want to say that was, like, really the first big multiverse movie that I had seen. Yeah. Because I think that came out before Endgame, yes? Yeah. And, you know, before um, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and we've just gotten such a slew of multiverse movies that it felt so original to me at that point, where now it's like we've seen that sort of premise played out in a bunch of different ways. And so I was a little bit nervous that I would wouldn't like that idea as much. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like I was pleasantly surprised. I really like this. I think the tone of it is a little darker. The tone of it is a little bit more complicated. Um, it's more of a thinking movie, I think, than the first one was. And also because it's a two-parter, it's like you get half the story, but I feel like a lot of the like payoff and stuff we don't necessarily get in this. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the third one sort of ties everything together. But in general, I really liked it. I thought a lot of the characters that they introduced here were really cool. I thought a lot of the set pieces were a really cool. There were some like tiny things that I had to nitpick. Like I think the ending was one of those movies where it had like 17 endings. And I kept thinking, okay, well, this is the last scene. And I was okay, well, no, no, this has to be the last scene. Okay, well, no, this has. <laughs> and it just like after the final sort of set piece, it felt like there was an extra half hour to the movie that maybe we could have, we didn't necessarily need all of. Um, but in general, yeah, I really, I really did enjoy it. I thought it was well done. The animation is exquisite. The voice talent that they got is really strong. They, again, had a lot of really good music cues. So there really wasn't that much to like or to dislike. I feel like for whatever reason, like the reactions online have been like really strongly positive. Like, wow, this is one of the best films it's ever made. And I don't know if it's like that I have... I don't know, maybe like too high of expectations or like the first one blew me away so much that this one like wasn't at, you know, it's not like an original concept necessarily. So it wasn't as shocking, but I felt like it was very, very good. But I also do not feel like that this is a sort of like everything everywhere type situation where I was like, wow, I'm blown mm. away. This is like one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like, I think this is a really good movie this year, but I'm not even sure if it's the my favorite thing that I've seen this year, let alone um you know overall i don't know yeah 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 i i respect thoughts? that i really had no expectations i think i'm wary of sequels just in general uh, especially of like great films it's just like you know how do you capture that magic again like thinking of the lego movie which has the same creators and writers the writers and producers here um like the sequel just wasn't as good or frozen you know like that was another huge boom to the animation industry and the sequel was a huge mess but this was like really excellent and I I was just like stunned by every frame like that's something I remembered sitting in theaters is how like every single frame feels like a piece of literal artwork like every pixel seems intentional every color choice adds to the story all and I like that this movie does feel like an evolution of the first instead of like a continuation or even like an homage to like, Oh, look at what we did. Like we have to cling to this. Like they're, they're comfortable, like growing into themselves. Um, because something that's so interesting here is that obviously the first one was this huge, brilliant, like mix of animation and like comic book 
energy, like the technicality of the animation in the first one was so stunning that I think that swept everyone up and took everyone by surprise. And then this one, they're like, well, we're not just going to do that. We're going to create different animation styles for every world we go to. And I think that was part of what like wowed me with this film is that, like you mentioned, we've had so many multiverse movies in recent years and most of them are so lazy in how they build their multiverses, like especially thinking of Marvel and how disappointing Doctor Strange was. And like, I just keep thinking about how they're like, oh, look, we're on this new earth. Oh, they do pizza balls here instead of pizza slices. And it's like, that's your idea. You have endless opportunity for creativity within a multiverse because it can be anything. And all they could do was like mess up Doctor Strange's hair or like add a tree instead of a bush or something. Like it was like so thoughtless. And so everything about this movie and down to like the details and how they crafted the different worlds they went to felt so fresh and kind of spellbinding that it was just like more and more ambitious than even the first one felt. And I think that helped because I don't know, I've, I've been like sitting with it, right. To be like, is this better than the first? Like, cause I have seen those reviews that talk about it like that. And I think it's, it's a compelling argument because the first one is like your very quintessential like Spider-Man origin story with a fun twist, but it is still very much young kid has to figure out his powers, like get over his insecurities, self-doubt and really own it, blah, 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 blah. It's your like classic hero's journey. And it's, you know, it's a story we're all familiar with because we've had 7 million iterations of Spider-Man. And so I like that this kind of continues this coming of age angle. Um, but it has the added, I don't know, complexity and and vitality of like this really interesting character who goes against the grain of the traditional Spider-Man. You know, it's Miles Morales. It's not Spider-Man. He's a, what they end up calling a, what is it? An anomaly? And they're like, yeah, something like that. And I think that was so it's interesting what they're wrestling with now. Like it does up the ante in a way that I find really compelling. Yeah, I really did love that they didn't. I think an easy way to make a sequel to this would have been like, it's going to be another normal sort of superhero movie. But this time we're just going to have more people from different dimensions. And that's going to be why it's fun. You know, it's like we're going to take it and we're going to put it on a road trip and we're going to add like extra. And instead, they really went in sort of a different direction entirely with the way that the multiverses work and sort of, you know, the things at play there. This isn't just like another um, superhero movie. It's like a completely different genre. But I think by making it two parts and by having the story be so different, I kind of am waiting to see what the payoff is. You know, like I think that before I like if the third one is incredible i think that you know we'll definitely be having those conversations it's like oh wow this is one of the best trilogies of movies ever made but and it like stuck the landing and fantastic but i think you know we could also have a situation where it like doesn't necessarily wrap up as well as i would hope it does but based on the fact that the first two have been great i am I have, I have good expectations for the next one. Yeah. And I do also agree with you, like sitting there watching the animation styles of all of mm. these different Spider-Man worlds was breathtaking. And like yeah. you just kept getting different things. And then the way those inner animation styles would interact with each yeah. other, like in the worlds when they would sort of bump up next to yeah. each other was just so incredibly well done. Like, you could tell that the people who made this and animated it really had spent a lot of time like looking at old comics and Spider-Man comics and just had such like an appreciation for the history of the genre. Um, It felt like what I wanted sort of like ready player one to be um, (laughs) in like just how cohesive and how you could tell that like the people who made this really, really love spider-man in all of its facets yeah and that's why i think i have faith for the trilogy as a whole because i think they were really intentional with how they storyboarded this because some people have already gone back and like rewatched into the spider-verse and there's already like 
Easter eggs within it that are explained here or that get their payoff in this sequel. And I always love that. Like I love, I love when it, like Lord of the Rings where they know what they're doing. They know they have a trilogy. They're going to do it. And it's not just like, oh, we did really well. Like let's figure something else out now. Um, and so it seems like it's like this passion project and they have, you know, now huge amounts of funding to make their wildest dreams happen. Um, you know, from getting Oscar Isaac and Issa Rae to voice new spider people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the cast is wild. The yeah. cast that they have in this is like A-lister, 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 A-lister. Yeah. Like it is bafflingly good. I know. And it's like, it's already made, it came out with like a $120 million box office weekend. Like it's, it's on track to do a huge thing. Like it's, I've seen a lot of movies since COVID and I went to see this on like Thursday night or Friday night and it was sold out and I haven't had a theater sold out in ages. So I think there is like a yeah. definite love and thirst for this. And I think it's a good reminder of like, you know, we talked last time with Marvel that it's like, oh, these superhero movies feel just so like repetitive and like they're losing their spark and they're more and more feel just like, I don't know, kind of like AI generated stories and they've lost any sort of fun and heart and joy and creativity that existed in them before. And this was a nice reminder that, well, maybe it's not superhero stories in general. It's how people have chosen to treat them as these sort of like corporate grab bags. And so this felt like a really, really refreshing um, angle at the superhero genre. And like, again, reminded me like most superhero movies should probably be animated if only because it gives you such freedom and like the the action sequences in this the like fight scenes they were all so great and you can't like get that in real life because you have to like make major cuts like so that you don't see that it's a stunt man or you know it's like <laughs> there's not a green screen happening as as someone's flung across a a sound stage so I really liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And I think because when they started or when they made the first one, it was like, oh, it's this weird animation thing. It's like it's it's a Sony sort of product. So it's not really in the MCU. Like there was like I think there was a lot more freedom. Yeah. That they got in comparison to the MCU movies, which are so like buttoned up and working on a plan. Yeah. But yeah, as we've talked, I think like Endgame seems to be like the high point of the MCU. And I don't think it's going to get back there, especially now that we have like the Jonathan Majors of it all and whatever. It's <laughs> yeah. just like sort of seems ill-fated in this next mm-hmm. round. Um, but I, yeah, this this is great. One thing that I think just to sort of get into the movie that sets this one apart a little bit from the first one and makes it and sort of expands the universe is in the first one, we're really focused on Miles Morales. And yes, we get these other, we get Spider-Ham and Spider-Girl and like these other characters who come into his universe, but they're all sort of like side characters where this one really opens with the Gwen Stacy character, the what Spider-Woman, Spider-Girl, Spider-Woman. I think she's called Um, Spider-Gwen. I don't know whatever spite yeah. the the Gwen Stacy version of Spider-Man yeah. um that she it's like she sort of starts as the main character and yeah. then or she's the first one we get and then it's sort of almost a two-hander where mm-hmm. we're seeing it we're seeing things from both of their perspectives and kind of jumping back and forth and really this movie has two main characters rather than just one um and i think that that was really interesting too because you know, we have had a lot of Spider-Man movies and we have had a lot of Gwen's or Mary Jane's, but it's always like there, you know, this side character. Damsel in distress. Yeah, yeah, the damsel in distress. And it was nice to get like a true kind of two-hander that felt like, you know, sort of Ant-Man and the Waspy, but like that actually, <laughs> yeah, like did a good job by both of those characters because they both have, you know, really distinct plot lines and arcs here in this. Um, And I think that both of them are really strong and both of those characters um, are really well drawn out. It's not like one of them is the main one and the other one's sort of like, "Eh, whatever. It's like, they're both really 
given a lot of weight. And then even yeah. all of the supporting um, Spider-Man characters that we pop up, you know, there's like an Issa Rae one who's this motorcycle girl who is pregnant. Um, there's an Indian guy. There's like a punk British dude. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it feels like all of them also have like more depth to their character um, yeah, really and were given like real true backstories, which is exciting. Yeah. It wasn't just like flippant, like crowd pleasing, like, you know, I don't know, jokes or sound bits or references. It was like, you could imagine spending time with all the other characters. Like I think about the first one and like Spider-Ham was basically just comedic relief or like Nicolas Cage's like black and white Spider-Man. Like they were all just like so weird and random that it was just like funny to hear them like talk about Rubik's Cubes or whatever. But here it was like, oh yeah, I want to know more about like this pregnant motorcycle driving (laughs) Spider-Woman and the sort of like leader of the Spider-Man Avenger team, Daniel or whatever, was really interesting. And like, how is he a vampire slash bloodthirsty, almost villain type, but he chooses to be Spider- Like, I think there's so many interesting layers to each of them that you're like, ooh, what is this? Do I get a spinoff here? And I think that is hard to pull off without it feeling like a, you know, corporation is like let's make a toy that everyone will want to buy like it just felt like real characters it felt like reading a book and having these characters that you get insight into and kind of time with and I really did like the opening with Gwen um one because the style was so different like it was almost watercolors and she has this sad story about accidentally killing her Peter Parker and her dad seeing her as the like villain and then ultimately almost deciding to turn her in absolutely brutal a cab for life um but <laughs> then she gets looped into this sort of like elite spider man force um with the sort of vague mission to protect the timelines um and they make jokes about how miles morales kind of broke broke the universe because of the you know, whole storyline of the first. But then it does become sort of this like interesting tension where she has her storyline and you kind of see it unfolding as Miles learns about it. But then Miles has his storyline, which has parallels, but also isn't. And there's like a lot of, I don't know, real feelings there of like loneliness and betrayal and family and friendship and love and all of that that it feels like it felt really it felt like watching you know (laughs) I don't know like a high stakes ladybird or something like it felt like real feelings that also happen to have really splashy set pieces well it's nice that the spider-man origin story which we've seen so many times like really does have a lot of sort of like very fundamental human feelings to it. Yeah. And so, yes, with all of these different iterations, they sort of like swivel the pieces around a little bit. But in all of them, there is like, okay, there's a Spider-Man. The Spider-Man's lost somebody that they care about. They're trying to, you know, work through that grief while also being weighed down by the responsibility of this role. They're having to deal with the police. It's like these these things that we've seen in all of these superhero movies so far are all like coming back, but in sort of like different ways. And to watch all of these people sort of like interact with each other. And then you have the added element of whoever the character in your timeline that you lost, like there's a version of that person who might be alive in one of the other timelines. So it's like, you know... Gwen goes into somebody else's thing and it's like, oh, like Peter Parker's alive there. So then she has to like deal with these emotions that, oh, like that Peter Parker got saved, but her Peter Parker didn't get saved. But then that person's, you know, other friend died. And then she has the that friend still alive. You know, it's like yeah. it's this web of emotions that <laughs> I feel like you don't realize it like just works so well, almost like unintentionally in some ways. I mean, this is like a very intentionally and well-written 
story but it's like it never really feels like any of those moments are like cobbled together it all feels like oh yeah this is how it would happen even though it's like such a purposeful like maze of um things that they've put together yeah there's not like the same oh wow look i just bumped into this uh, subway and got bit by a spider like it's not like it's not as there's not as these they're not as large of these issues as like how did we get here it's more everything feels like a natural progression um while also being like hugely bombastic and exciting to watch mm-hmm. yeah um i like i don't even really know how to <laughs> get into this plot because it's so yeah. complicated well, basically, Gwen joins this force, and then we cut to Miles, who's feeling lonely because, again, like a classic Spider-Man, he's caught between two worlds, one where no one knows he's Spider-Man, and the people closest to him just see him, like, you know, struggling to keep up. His parents are like, why are you always late? Why don't you care about this? Why aren't you taking this seriously? What are you even doing with your time? And so there's that classic angsty tension Um, his family dynamics have always been interesting and fun in these movies. Um, and there's a lot of fun with that. You know, he's 15 in this movie. So he's like, it has that teen angst and the parents who like struggle to understand and don't know how to react and can't control it. And so the mom is given like a lot of chances to have these really sweet heart to hearts with him. But ultimately all he wants are his spider friends back. And so when Gwen pops up to hang out, he's happy. And then it turns out that she's actually there on a secret mission. She wasn't supposed to see him. And they are worried about this new villain of the week who's turning out yeah. to be a little bit stickier than they expected. Named Spot. Yeah. They, it, uh, it, the beginning sort of had a little bit of... Um, like the beginning of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets energy where it's like Harry thinks that all of his friends have left him, but then it turns out it's (laughs) like that Dobby's been blocking all of this stuff and they've actually like wanted to hang out with him the whole time. That's sort of the vibe that I (laughs) got from it. Um, Yeah. So then there's this, this villain spot and they're trying to uh, take him down, but he always sort of, for whatever reason, it seems like there's more going on than just that. And yeah, he always even, felt like a side piece. Yeah. Even as they're sort of like trying to take him on and we're getting these cool, um, these cool action sequences. Cause spot can sort of like make these holes and then fall through them. So there's a lot of like inner dimensionality, like um, gravity kind of, interesting things going on with the fights, especially with the webs and stuff. They use that space really well. Um, Yeah. You sort of feel like, okay, then maybe this isn't exactly the main thing that's happening. Like maybe there's something else going on deeper, but it really takes a while to get to that because they sort of have to go through these various universes first. And I think the first one that they are the first sort of like big action set piece that we get is they go into this Indian version of yeah, New York. Mumbatton. And that's where we meet the, uh, like the Indian version of Spider-Man. And then also the sort of like British punk rock version of Spider-Man shows up there. Yeah. Um, Paveteer and Hobie. Yes. One of them is played <laughs> by Karen Sony, who I really like. He's like a, comedian who you definitely recognize from things and then hobie's played by daniel kaluuya yeah um and and he's like a cool collage style of like this punk yeah london scene like he looks like the cover um uh, like the sex pistols is that the band that the artwork looks like i don't know i'm not voice i'm not well versed in the punk scene but it was like you know, it was cool to yeah, see. Yeah, I think all it's the, the Sex Pistols that's the animation together. That's yeah, that's sort of the style that he has of like the graffiti kind of like yeah, yeah. And so they have this great fight scene in the Mumbatton, and I really was impressed by how much they got you to care about Paveteer so quickly. Like you know, he gets his little monologue about how he became Spider Man and who he cares about in his life, and I was like, oh, cute. But then it ends up like mattering in an important way and i just like love those layering where it's like 
you're starting to piece out the real tension of the film, which is that Gwen wasn't supposed to see Miles and that, in fact, doing so might have wreaked havoc on the multiverse at large. So you're like, huh, why is that? Why doesn't this super spider force want Miles Morales involved? And then during this Mumbai fight with Spot, she is given the heads up that this quote unquote canon event is going to be happening. And you realize that it seems like they want, they realize that Pavateer's love interest or love interest dad, the captain, was going to die. And Miles Morales saves him. And then suddenly there's a black hole in the universe and you're like, uh oh. What's happening here? What's the tension? What's going on? And 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 then we learn that these canon events are these events that happen in every timeline of Spider-Man. And if that's disrupted, then um then it really throws everything off. And so one of the canon events is that is that there's always some sort of police captain that is close to uh, the Spider-Man figure who dies. And so the Indian Spider-Man's what, like her, her his love interest dad was the captain. And so the yeah. captain was supposed to die, but then Miles saved him. Mm-hmm. And then, but that brings with it a lot of different layers because like Gwen's dad is also a captain. So you're like, wait, what's going on? Like, is he going to die? You realize that Miles's dad is about to become a captain. So then Mm -hmm. you're worried that maybe that's going to happen. And so then you have all of these characters who now know that this canon event is coming and are going to try to disrupt it for themselves, but you're not supposed to do that or otherwise it'll screw up the entirety of the, you know, uh, multiverse plotline. And then also at some point, I can't remember when exactly. I feel like it's decently early in the movie. We learn that Miles really wasn't supposed to, or I think the spot tells him that like Miles wasn't supposed to be Spider-Man. He was actually bitten by a spider that came in from a different dimension. So he did not get. Spot lets him know that he was a scientist working on the whatever machine in the first one and he managed to bring back a spider from a different multiverse but that spider escaped and that's the spider that bit him but then it's daniel the like spider head honcho who's like you're an anomaly you weren't even supposed to be spider-man and the fact that you got bit meant your universe's spider-man was killed chris pine in the first one and that the world that that spider came from planet 42 doesn't have a Spider-Man. So immediately you understand like why they're on the outs with him is that he's not like one of them, quote unquote, like he's just a accident. And yeah, he was never supposed to be a Spider-Man <laughs> and that this other sort of summit of Spider-Man are trying to figure out what to do with them to like mm-hmm. make sure that the timeline is corrected. Including then- Peter B. Parker. Uh, yes. Yeah. He's really the- him and Gwen, I guess are the only ones who are back. Because Spider Man makes an appearance, but yes, yes, she, yeah, very briefly. Um, yeah. but yeah, so he comes back, and this is when we get, I think, what's the most fun sequence of the film, which is that Peter Parker or that Miles goes into this version that's uh, or this place within the multiverse that's where all of the spider-man are like hanging out sort of like the spider-man headquarters yeah and he is trying to sort of like break in and um and so it's sort of him versus like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other spider-men and they really use all of their creativity here to come up with all kinds of different versions and animation styles and people who can do different things and they're all chasing him and he's trying to escape these headquarters they told him like your dad's gonna die when he becomes captain in two days so we're gonna keep you here so you can't save him and he's like what are you talking about of course i'm gonna try to save my dad and so that becomes like the moral conundrum is like peter b parker and gwen have chosen to side with all these other spider-mans and being like well you're personal loss isn't worth the fate of this universe so we're gonna capture you and then he makes his great escape and then he's fighting off all these easter egg (laughs) well and at some point he famously says and if 
all dads die, then that means that my dad will die. <laughs> yeah, truly some of the greatest writing of our modern day. Um, no, it was all much more powerful and emotional. And he's honestly a great voice actor. Like I, every time he, you could feel like that was such, that was a mesmerizing part of this film too, is you could feel like the feelings of all these different actors. And like you forget you're watching animation almost because you like understand every single person's perspective and like you know why Peter B. Parker is is going along with this. You you can feel Gwen's like tension and like, is this the right thing? And you can feel Daniel's anger at dealing with this kid who doesn't understand Wait, what who he is understands. Daniel? Isn't that his name? The name Isn't of that- or no, why do I keep calling him Daniel? It's Miguel. Miguel. It's Miguel. <laughs> I was like, who is Daniel? I was like, I don't know. I apologize this. to that man. I don't know why I keep Played doing by that. Oscar Isaac. Oh, yeah. Yes. It Oscar really, Isaac voice. Like, him. you really can just tell that this cast is so good, though. Like, they didn't just, like, phone it in and get, like, famous people who are bad voice actors. Like, these are yes. actually good actors. The woman who plays his mom is LaGuerta and Dexter. And she is so good, I thought, yeah. in this. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, Brian Tyree Henry is so good. Like, everyone's so good. Oh, yeah, always. And so watching them, like, not only fight it out and have these fun physical fights, but also, like, duke it out emotionally and verbally, I was like, damn, like, I, I'm rooting for you all, but also, like, yes, Miles, you did trick everyone to run away from the headquarters, and now you do have a plan to get back. And it was just, like, so dope i loved it and it was fun to see all the little like easter eggs like there's a lot of references to past spider-mans including like having clips of toby Maguire's spider-man and andrew garfield's spider-man um there's a lego spider-man yeah. <laughs> uh, at one point that's kind of funny yeah. donald glover is there for a couple of cameo scenes which is funny because obviously he's in the most recent Marvel films as I think a sort of Miles Morales adjacent character. I think he was going to be the crawler is the implication or the Wait, prowler. Yeah, I was confused about that. So what is, why was he there? So in the first Spider-Man, um, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, he yes. has a bit role where he is stealing stuff and he makes a reference to his young nephew, Miles. So the implication was he was destined to play Prowler, but I don't know if that was ever going to be a thing or it was just meant to be a fun Easter egg because he'd also been like fan casted as Spider-Man so regularly um, that that's just like become part of his, like, (laughs) I don't know, like the mythos around Donald Glover, I think. Like, so I think it's just like people think of him and Spider-Man together now so that this was another fun gotcha. the way the directors okay. talked about it is like it was just such a fun get to have this kind of insider cameo yeah because I rem- like I sort of forgot that that happened but when I watched it I was like I miss like I must be missing some sort of like inside reference here yeah because I was like why is this person <laughs> like, <what's> present? <laughs> I did however get the Spider-Man pointing at each other joke yeah which that was I thought that funny. was a, a funny little moment that they shoehorned yeah, in there just indulgent way. enough I think there's also the Spider-Man popsicle is one of the Spider-Man which was funny yes um the like horse Spider-Man the cat Spider-Man like there's a lot of I fun love the, being t- the T-Rex Spider-Man yeah and at first, like, in the first trailer, I was like, oh, this is going to be, like, chaotic, and it's just going to be, like, so self-righteous and, like, how funny it is. Like, they're just going to overham it. But it was really funny and really fun and, like, and just, like, fun to watch that sequence of them all chasing him down. Like, like even just the <laughs> point of him, like, I don't know. Everything about it was just, like, really funny and and seeing all of them pop up and spider and peter b bart peter b parker has his baby on him at all times like it was just like a good time the one thing that i'm still waiting for with one of these spider-man multiverse movies is a kirsten dunce appearance i'm like (laughs) well i'm like give the gays what we want yeah she wasn't even there she was he was crying over uncle ben um 
Yeah, that would be great. It, yeah, I think it's like, I think that it was just so refreshing to watch these multiverse scenes because it was like, this is how you have fun with a multiverse is like give in to the madness. And it's something everything everywhere all at once did as well. Like it was just so quirky and over the top and like Rakakuni is such a bonkers idea on paper, but it's like, that's the fun of it. Like hot dog fingers, all of that stuff makes like the zany makes the human emotion more real because you are like recognizing the patterns across whatever weird rock face universe you exist in. And that was true here too, where it's like all these Spider-Mans know what it is to lose something, but they're so distracted with it having to mean something that they're not willing to imagine a different way about it. And so Miles Morales is the only one with this different perspective to be like, yeah, this can't be it. And I'm not going to let you guys like rob me of trying. And so I think that'll be an interesting tension in the final piece where it's not only are you fighting this super baddie in spot, but you also have like the literal world stacked against you because Miguel believes that this is the only way to protect the universe at large. Yeah, because then, because he is trying to get back to his home universe, quote unquote, to save his dad. And so after escaping the group of Spider-Men, he goes into his home universe. And then we get this sort of like side by side fake out where Gwen (sighs) thinks that she's going to save or she's going to find him. And. But what she doesn't realize is that his home universe, because he was bitten by the spider, is actually this um, Earth-42 that none of them have been to yet, that there isn't a Spider-Man in. And so they're all going to Miles's like, regular home and just find it empty or, you know, his parents are there or whatever. But, like, it's pretty Mm -hmm. anticlimactic. And then we get this big reveal that... Because there's no Spider-Man in Earth-42, Miles Morales himself becomes the Prowler. Mm. And that in the sequel, there's going to have to be some sort of face-off between Miles Morales, who became Spider-Man, and Miles Morales, who became the Prowler. Because there is no Spider-Man to keep Miles at bay. And yeah, the ending was great. I really (laughs) loved it. It It felt like so high stakes. Like, I... I, it wasn't necessarily like the biggest twist. Like you could kind of piece it together halfway through the film if you if you cared to. Um, but it was just like so great visually the way they did it. And like like they tie him to the punching bag just like Miles did to Peter B. Parker. And you can see him starting to talk while using his hands to like get away just like in the first film when he's like don't pay attention to the mouth pay attention to the hands but then it's like oh shoot like it's even a bigger problem than you think because here's the prowler and it's me and i'm it and like what's happening and then and then you have gwen getting the whole band back together to go help him and save him and it's just like it felt like exciting like it was like watching infinity wars and like seeing imagining what's going to happen next so I was well, it, all in. It was it was a little bit odd. I felt like that they there's this couple of characters like that they set up the like British Spider-Man and the Indian Spider-Man that they sort of set up and then they just kind of disappear halfway through. And then obviously there's all of these characters in the first one that are just like not really referenced at all, even though yeah. we're in this world with the Spider-Man. It's like, where's Spider-Ham? Like, why isn't he here? <laughs> so then at the end, when they sort of form this like Avengers group yeah. of people from the first two movies, you're like, oh, okay. Like yeah, yeah, the yeah. third okay. one, we're going to have all of our favorite <laughs> Spider-Man. They're all going to be on a team together. And like, that will be fun to watch because yeah. you want to see all of these people and their different skill sets, like going at it together again in a bigger version of the subway car battle from the first one yeah and i hope i hope he doesn't stay on earth 42 well i guess if they all come to earth 42 then that's good i just don't want them to be separated too much like have it be some sort of like get back together scheme i think that they'll get back together pretty quickly yeah because i guess they have the bracelets to jump easily so they'll probably get there and help them out um yeah because yeah. also, yeah, I mean, I feel like in general, the plot of like trilogies for the most part, if they're done well, it's like everybody's together in the first one, then people sort of go off in the second one, and then people come back together in the third one. Yeah. Um, 
So hopefully that's what we're working with yeah. here and not like a the most recent Star Wars trilogy where it was <laughs> just, just a shit show the entire time and people were off sense. doing God knows what. Oh, please. Yeah. And it's already filmed. Like it's it's coming out in less than a year. Like it's not like they're going to the drawing board right now to figure it out. Like I think it'll come together really cleanly, really nicely. And I think this film was a good proof of concept where it's like, you guys thought multiverses all sucked, but no, like here's a good one. This and everything everywhere all at once are really the only ones to stick the landing in a way that feels like refreshing and also earned. And I it's think just Endgame like, also did a good job. Yeah, Endgame Endgame or, was I fun, guess Endgame But really Endgame wasn't, wasn't really a multiverse. Multiverse it was, just time, it was time travel. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forget that the multiverses didn't come in until afterwards cuz <laughs> yeah. Endgame was so well done. Yeah, it was. Um so yeah, and I think it's it's nice that it's not just like the classic villain, like it's not just Spot, but there is also this like tension between the Spider-Man and like the the Miguel of it all that I think will make for some interesting um conversations. You'll have you'll have the pro- you'll have the um Miles Morales Prowler, you'll have yeah. the Spot, you'll have the vampire guys like backstory, like whatever the heck is going on there that we <laughs> yeah. haven't really gotten into very much. Um so I think all of that will be fun to untangle. And then yeah. plus the like will his dad die? Will Gwen's yeah. dad die? Like who yeah. I will say the scene that really got me, I think, the most and made me the most emotional was when Gwen's dad realizes that she is Spider Girl or whatever, and he's like, Okay, well, I guess I'll have to quit the force or whatever. The second time finally, yeah. Yes. And I was like, uh <laughs> yeah. I was like, There's I love hope. this. Yeah, hope for growth there, because his first reaction was less than ideal. Yes, no, his first reaction was not good. But then he, but, yeah. but then he circled back around in a good way. I know that seems like the easiest fix. I'm like Miguel, just tell his dad to quit. Like you know, like let's just yeah, <laughs> see and what then happens then kill the there. other captain. Yeah, <laughs> it does <laughs> get into some <laughs> some murky grounds though. Then because you have like um uh because then you get the sort of a um, like pushing daisies situation where it's like you can wake somebody up and they can live, but then somebody else has to die. Yeah. And so then you're like, yeah, okay. Like who's going to take the fall? Yeah, it's like, uh-huh, who's we it going to be? We just like Miles too much, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's fun is it's not just like a, it's not just a splashy movie. It seems really um, determined to tell an interesting story. Um, and I was worried that it would just be like, show off or something but there's real emotion there that makes it interesting and so you feel the betrayal miles feels when he realizes like everyone's been lying to him and and you feel like the loneliness when he realizes like he shouldn't even been spider-man but he was and and then on top of it you have all these great visual kind of feast and fun easter eggs and reveals that just make it a really entertaining two hours I think it'll be interesting because I could definitely see this winning the Oscar um, again this year. It's just so – the animation is just unbelievable. Yeah, it's incredible. And also the Pixar movies so far and stuff. Like I've heard the reviews for Elemental are like not great. It looks so dumb. Yeah, like nothing else really (laughs) happened. Although I do think it's interesting that the next one is coming out in March, which like – Yes. You know, I think we're getting to a point now more where that – doesn't matter but it is sort of playing in a section of the year where you're like huh like this isn't going to have very much competition probably when it comes out it's going to make a crap ton of money i think yeah um because everyone's going to be hungry to go see something yeah so i'll be looking forward to it oh it's such a shame that we won't have a podcast then because you're moving (laughs) but i guess we can see and talk on the phone yeah (laughs) something old school like that i'll write you a letter about it yeah send me a telegraph yeah (laughs) uh anything else about this um no i i really enjoyed it i can't wait to watch it again and even to watch the first one to see if there's anything i missed i wonder what the movies are that are coming out next week have we looked for our next yeah i want to say it's um i think um I'm like, is it Extraction Fast and the Furious? Two is coming out? I feel right? like I, I think that I I think I've seen Fast and the Furious like seven times. Um, oh wait, is next week the Flash? Ugh. 
Are we going to watch that? I will not pay to see that, but I will sneak into the theater and watch it. <laughs> also, Elemental. Wow, next week is really a oh, it's a really bummer. a who's who's of movies you don't want to watch. Flash, Elemental, the new Wes Anderson, Asteroid City, and then Extraction 2. I'd rather watch Extraction 2. <laughs> I mean, I want to watch Extraction 2. <laughs> we'll Asteroid City I liked, but you'll will probably, you know, hate it as per usual. <laughs> Elemental does look bad. We'll do a poll. I'll see what I'll see what the people want. Or wait, no, those movies don't come out until the sixteenth. Oh. So next week, the only movies that are coming out are Transformers and the <laughs> Flaming Hot Cheetos movie. The Flaming Hot Cheetos movie? You're joking? No, I'm not. I Directed by Eva Longoria. That's just getting outrageous. This is live rough. action. Wait, could you go see past lives? Uh, I'll have to see. I didn't see it in my regal app. So probably not. Uh, or we could do a TV show, I guess. You could watch yeah, the first couple episodes something. of The Idol. Um, hmm. Okay. This darkest timeline we've got going on here. Yeah. Transformers. Yeah. And then after that, thank goodness we have some of these weeks we're going to be gone because it's like that. Yeah. There's really. I guess, I guess we Jennifer- could do a mid-year roundup, but I just spent 49 minutes talking about nine, my number one, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, rude. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure I th- it out. <laughs> I think we need to save the mid-year roundup for some time in um, uh, yeah, July, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Although July has a bunch of good weeks in a row because we have like the Mission Impossible week. There's the Oppenheimer oh, slash Barbie week. There's Haunted Mansion, which I think that's could not, be that's interesting. I am excited <laughs> about it a little bit. Of course. Looks like um, it has Dan yeah, Levy there's got to be a Daniel Lee Curtis, Dan Levy, Jared finale, Leto, your favorite. Uh... Um. Okay. Yeah. There's something. We'll find something. But anyways. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm glad that I could be the version of Shelby that, <laughs> that spawned off at her baptism and yeah. became gay mm, and Had questionable takes on movies and music everywhere. <laughs> um, rude, rude, rude. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about something. We don't know what, though. See you guys then. Bye.